Good morning, good morning. For those of you that don't know, I'm Jim. Pastor Diani is my wife. And I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit this morning here. We're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 14. We're going to start at verse 16 if you want to join along. For those of you that were already here for the first service, I'm sorry. You'll have to hear me blab again. Uh, for the rest of you, I just pray you'll get something out of this. Let's open with a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll jump right in. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for everybody that's here, both in person and online. Uh, Lord, we, we get into your word, Lord, to get closer to you, to learn from you, to connect with you, and to grow, and it also meets a lot of our needs. So I just pray that one of those would happen for everybody that's here and listening, Lord, that they would be touched, a need would be met, something would be revealed, Lord. Uh, they'd draw closer to you, be fed by you, in Jesus' name, amen. It was a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, I hope the rest of you guys had a, th a great Thanksgiving. My brother was able to come from Aberdeen with his whole family. He's actually a, an associate pastor out there, so it's just always great to rub shoulders with him and and um, they were all, like this whole section right here was my family. And uh, we, did it, we had a lot of fun stuff. We kept it, we've been doing it long enough. We kept it simple. Um, Thanksgiving, of course, we, we did that, kind of the whole hubbub. We had a big debacle that day. I won't get into that story, but we have a, a story that will get told every Thanksgiving now from then. But what was really cool was last night we wrapped it we wrapped it up at my house, and we've been playing cards. There's a, a game called Whist that we, my brother and I, learned from our grandparents. And so now, and it's kind of a complicated game, and so it's, it's really until kids get to be teenagers or a little beyond, it's hard to teach them. But anyway, my brother and I love to play it. My wife knows how to play it. We'd play it with Nick and Holly quite a bit. Well, at least two of my kids, Amy and, and Ethan, have really taken... Uh, picked it up and, and taken it to heart. So we were able to play a lot of that. But anyway, last night we're together. We're playing that. We're going to do some of that. And my wife had just happened to ask, I think it was my wife, had asked Andrew, our son-in-law, DeWitt, very musical, to bring his guitar. So he's got the guitar last night. Well, we end up doing some worship in my living room. And there's a good little crowd of us. And it was just, it was just one of those moments, almost surreal, when you're with the ones you love the most and you're worshiping the creator of the universe. And as we're kind of wrapping up, I just realized how powerful of a moment this was, how precious of a moment this was. There was four generations there. There was four generations of us there, all in a living room, all in unison, as a family, praising the creator of the universe. That's just, I mean, that was, so I, I just couldn't have think of any way to have a better Thanksgiving than with the family, um, and them loving the Lord and, and worshiping the Lord with my family. It was, a, it was an enormous blessing. So let's jump right in. I kind of got almost two mini-sermons. Um, we'll, we'll jump through this. I think it's relative to our day and time and what, what we're going on now. So let's start. This kind of came from just my morning study. I'm reading through Luke right now. And when, uh, when it kind of things came about that I was going to preach and speak, I just continued to do my, my morning study, and this, this really stuck with me. And so we're going to start in Luke 14, starting at verse 16. A man 
once hosted a huge banquet and invited many guests. When the time had came, he set his servant to tell the guests who had, agree who had agreed to come, we're ready, come now. But every single guest began to make excuses. One said, oh, I'm sorry, I just bought some land and I need to see it. Please excuse me. Another said, so sorry, I just bought five pairs of oxen. I need to go check on them. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and reported their responses to his master. His master was angry and told the servant, go out quickly to the streets and the alleys around town and bring the poor, the amputees, the blind, and the crippled. Then the servant came back again, sir, I've done as you said, but there's still more room. And the host said, well then go. Go out into the highways, the hedges, and bring the, and bring the complete strangers you find there until my house is completely full. One thing is for sure, not one of the single people on the original guest list shall enjoy this banquet. I was like, that's kind of a weird passage. And, um, and I, I kind of churned over that quite a bit. I'm like, all right, Lord. So we have a banquet and the guests. And obviously, I think where this message is, Jesus is talking to the, to the religious people. He's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's talking to this Jewish family. And the overall picture here is that the kingdom of God is for everybody. We are all now included. Um, that's the big picture. But I think what's more relevant to us today is, okay, what does this speak to us as the body of Christ? Because now we're that body of Christ. So I think if he was speaking this right now, he'd be speaking to us. He'd be speaking directly to me um, and saying, hey, I'm moving and I'm shaking. And I think that's exactly what we're going on right now, is the world is moving and shaking. Um, there's a lot of different opinions, and I'm sure there's a lot of different like things you could get from very theological, very deep about what's going on with this, this pandemic and all the stuff that's going on in our world today. But this is one thing in my very simple brain, because I'm not real deep. This is what I can tell you. There's no, you can't have something this far-reaching, this dramatic, this, that's having this type of impact on the whole world that the Heavenly Father created and not see it as a... As a the hand of God and a movement of the Heavenly Father. Um, and I know there's a lot of sad and a lot of sorrow and a lot of turmoil, but I'm telling you, my, my fellow believers, God is moving and God is shaking. And I'm beginning to think more and more that who he's really moving and shaking right now is us. And I think we're kind of in a banquet moment. And I think, I think we're in a banquet moment. And I think of some of us as believers, we're getting stuck and we're getting caught on our land because we got some nice land here on this earth. Um, and we just don't want to give up that land. That land's important to us, right? Or we, got some, we just bought some oxen, um, which represents our work and our labor and our value. Or we just got married. And uh, we're just so focused on what's going on in our worlds right now that, that we got to be really careful because uh, we've... So let me... Here's how I've put it in my notes. We've made plans as believers, as faith-filled. This has nothing to do with our salvation. As faith-filled believers, um, as children of the Heavenly Father, we've made plans for 2020 based on the world we knew. And I don't know anybody whose plans that they made for 2020 
as a believer or non-believer that haven't been disrupted. They have not been disrupted. Um, that's, that's where we're at. Um, we've been shaken. These things we hold on so dearly. It's caused a lot of fear, anxiety, turmoil, stress. Some of us have just had loss. Some of us have felt things. I think that maybe our grandparents, our great-grandparents that, that went through the Depression or those world wars that impacted the whole world on a grand scale, um, we're feeling some of the things and dealing with some of the emotions and the stuff that, that they had to, to deal with. And it, it's really, really rattled us. You know, I think before this in my life, there's been things. I remember the Challenger explosion. I was in grade school and that shook the world. But probably the biggest thing was 9-11 when the towers, and that rattled our country. But then we came together and got over it. It didn't linger for months and months and months and months like, like this has. And so this is really... This has really shaken, shaken us, and it's, it seems to just continue day after day. We, we wonder what's next. And I think for me, um, it's really rattled my sense of control, of wanting to be into control, of wanting to have the control even of my own little world. Um, it's rattled any false sense of security that I've had. Um, and in some points, to be real, it's caused a lot of stress. There's just a lot of uh, that lingering stress of the unknown and the chaos and the turmoil. And, and, and it's caused me to have to really focus and kind of get very deliberate. Um, and there were some things that were really bugging me here really not that long ago. And I think I've already told this, but I'm going to repeat it. And really, literally, I mean very literally, God's answer was, my grace is enough. I don't know if you guys have heard, but that's basically Paul prayed. And I'm not going to get too much into that. But Paul prayed. And basically, if I remember right, three times Paul was told by God, my grace is enough. Well, our men, at our men's retreat, he stood up here and he preached that. My grace is enough. And I'm, for those of you that don't know, I'm a deputy sheriff. I, that night, I didn't come here. I watched it online. Um, I get up. I'm driving up the hill, up West Highway 44. It's a beautiful day. Click on the, uh, one of the preachers that I listen to, and guess what he's preaching about? My grace is enough for Paul with things in our life that we don't like. I'm like, oh, my goodness, Lord. So I'm like, all right, I'm beginning to get this, but I am pretty, pretty hard-headed sometime. I go home from work that day at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I turn on a completely different preacher, completely different message, completely unrelated, and about 10 minutes into it, he gets to that exact thing, same thing. And we're once again, my grace is enough. So I'm like, all right, Lord, I got this. I'm, I'm catching this. I understand your grace is enough for the things that I'm going through in this world. Your grace is big enough to cover my insecurities because of my lack of self-control or the things that stress me out. And I began to understand I need to release I need to let go, and I just need to trust. And, and, and as part of that, just some very practical things that the Lord has helped me to be able to do is just enjoy the, the simple blessings in life, the little things in life. I talk about that, uh, that drive that I have. I tell you, one of the most majestic things you're going to see, our hills are so beautiful, but you get out West Highway 44 up by Pactola, up by the dam, up in the hills, about 6.30 in the morning, Right now, as the sun's coming up and it's starting to, to melt the, uh, 
to just warm everything up, the frost from the night before and everything's just sparkling, it, it'll take, it just takes your breath away. And I just don't know how you can see that and not understand how magnificent, unbelievable our creator is. I mean, the God, the God that, I guess this thought just came, the God that created that unbelievable beauty thing is the same God that loves you and created you and holds you in the palm of his hand. And with the same, exactly, with the same um, guarantee that that sun's going to rise with that beauty, all the promises that he's made over you in your life are just as true. And you can hold on to that. Um, and so I've, I, I think one of the things I'm getting out of this is I need to enjoy the simple blessings in my life. The second thing is live in the moment. Live in the moment. Oh, and I don't want to rag on this too much. Maybe I did a little too much the first time, but that stinking clock runs us ragged. And it stresses us out almost. I mean, we're just so bound to the time, and I get it. And we don't, but it's, it's just part of our culture. It's part of who we are, but it steals from us. It robs from of us. And I, I think if the Apostle Paul or Jesus himself were here, he would, many days of our lives, he would tell us to take that stinking clock and throw it out the window. Because I think Jesus woke up each morning and he knew where he was supposed to go. And I believe he'd even share it with his disciples. Um, and so then they would get probably impatient because he would head down that way and he would encounter somebody. He would encounter something. And it would, it would be a detour. And he wouldn't brush it off. He would stop. He would deal with it. He would love. He would minister. He just, he just was not going to be bound by that time. I, I, I don't know for certain, but I don't think there's any place... In, in, in all of the four Gospels where Jesus said, I will be there at 6 o'clock by whatever time they used and showed up at 6 o'clock. Um, in fact, with Lazarus, a lot of people said he was a couple, two, three days late. <laughs> so, um, but that clock can really stress us out. It can cause you a lot of stress because we just get so bound. And, but the, really the message that I live in is, and what I want you to realize is it can prevent you from living in the moment from living in the here and now and the enjoying this day and the blessings that this day holds and the time that you have this day. Um, so the other thing for me is to be very real, self-examined. I'm going to get into that more next time. But I had to stop. I had to stop spending too much on the global or the world or even what's going on in the whole state. And maybe that sounds selfish. And I had to more focus Okay, where, where can I make a difference? I can make a difference when I go to work and I interact with the people around me. I can make a difference to the people that live in the same four walls that I live. I can make a difference to my neighbors in my neighborhood and make that my focus and focus on loving the ones around me and not get all caught up in the chaos of, of, the, of the really big picture. And that's been really helpful for me is to just narrow my focus the Lord, this is what you've put in my hands that I can touch. I talked about this in first service. So what's kind of helped me with this, and I love these things, is my son. He's an athlete, Gideon. He read at his room. He's got these posters up there from athletes, and they just talk about, they're just sayings. Um, 
And one of them that, that stuck out with me, and I've heard it other places, is, is kind of a your hardcore athlete. This one was by Jerry Rice. He said, I'm willing to do today what you're not, so I can do tomorrow what you can't. And literally what he's saying there is, I'll work harder than you today. I'll get up earlier than you, or I'll stay up later. I'll push myself harder than you. And it gets athletes kind of motivated and pumped up, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to. And I, and I understand that, but... It, because we have so many of those for athletes, I'm like, well, I'm going to develop some of those for me personally and my walk. And so these are the three that I came up with that are kind of my motivational to myself. I'm going to share them with you. Here's what I want to be. Um, do, especially if, if I'm not having my best day or if time's too tough. First one, I want to let my worship be louder than my worry. Oh, if I can just... If I can let my worship take over my worry, it's game changer. It's game changer. My worry just has to go. Number two, I want my prayer to be more intense than my fear. My prayer to be more intense than my fear. The third one, I want my surrender to be stronger than my doubt. And when I say that, I mean my surrender to the truths of this word and the Heavenly Father and His love. I want my surrender to be stronger than my doubt. So how do I do that? I came up with three things. I'm going to share them with you. For me, prayer, I don't, I, uh, to be very practical, I realized I don't do so well when I just sit down to pray or if I, um, I need to be moving. So most of my intense prayer, most of my breast prayer time comes when I'm either walking or doing a light jog. That's where I can be real, very candid, very real. I'm very blessed. I've got a great place. But just understand, you want to know yourself and how it works. I think a lot of us, we tend to sit down and pray, and then we fall asleep. Um, make that prayer a priority and figure out the best way and method for you to pray. Second, worship. i got to make that a habit. Um, get that worship music going. I don't, I'm two flats and a blowout, as Pastor Brent would say, so I don't have a microphone when I sing. Um, singing is not my strength, but that doesn't mean I can't worship. I worship. I'm a worshiper. Um, and for me, lots of times I'll do my worshiping while I stretch, and then I'll bust into some dancing a little bit, and, and, and that's a game changer for me. And here's another one, and I think, and I think this ties back to that, that clock. Um, a very practical thing that I, that I think we're lacking, especially in 2020, is rest. I think as believers, um, we're so driven by that clock. We're so driven by everything that's going on. Um, we're so div driven by our devices that even when we have this moment or this time or this hour, or this afternoon we can rest, we don't because we click on the news or we start reading articles um, or we, we want something to entertain us and it robs us of that rest where the Heavenly Father, He's created you to rest. And even if you have to schedule your rest, you need some rest. You need that seventh day. You need that time. So for me, a way that I love to rest, there's two ways that I love to rest. One is in the sunshine. No devices. If it's a warm, sunny day and I can put on just a pair of shorts, nothing else, and get out into some sunshine, I'm going to do it. And I know that's weird. And some of you that say, oh, your skin cancer, I get it. I'll take my chances. But I'm telling you, when I can just lay out in the sunshine and just, it's just almost like I can surrender and I can take a few big breaths. It's just like I'm getting a hug from the Heavenly Father. 
And I just lay there in his sunshine. I'm just, I just understand. It's like I'm getting a hug directly from the Heavenly Father. I equate that warm sun on my skin as a hug from the Heavenly Father. I just do. I just love it. Um, and then in the winter, you know there's not near as much, but I'll build a fire. And it's that, it does that same. It's that same type of heat, I know, if the scientific folks. It's that same type of radiant heat. But I've got a fireplace. I absolutely love it. I'll get that fire. Um, so these are just some very practical ways, some things that I do. Um, we need to hold on to these type of things because we're in that banquet moment. We're in a move of God. God is calling, and he's calling us as believers. Um, and we just need to make sure we're not too, too bound and not willing to give up our land or oxen or even some of those relationships. The, God is moving right smack dab in, the, in this world and this virus. I assure you of that. That's kind of part A. We're going to jump on here to part uh, um, Part B, it's the same thing. We're going to go Luke 26 to 34. This is kind of the, the next continuation of that. Let me read this quick to you. I'm reading out of the voice. I love this translation because it just speaks like I speak. Um, and uh, it's very easy to understand. But this is the voice. If any of you, if any of you come to me without hating your own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and yes, even your own life, you can't be my disciple. If you don't carry your own cross as to your own execution, as you follow me, you can't be part of my movement. Just imagine that you want to build a tower. Wouldn't you first sit down and estimate the cost to be sure you have enough to finish what you start? If you lay the foundation but then can't afford to finish a tower, everyone will mock you. Look at the guy who started something and he couldn't finish it. Or imagine a king gearing up to go to war. Wouldn't he begin by sitting down with his advisors to determine whether his 10,000 troops could defeat the opponent's 20,000 troops? If not, he'll send a peace delegation quickly and negotiate a peace treaty. In the same way, if you want to be my disciple, it will cost you everything. Don't underestimate that cost. Don't be like the salt that's lost its saltiness. How can it... Saltiness be restored. And he goes on a little bit more there to just say basically the salt then is completely worthless. Tough words. Tough words Jesus is saying you basically have to hate everything in this world if you're going to follow me, but that's really not what he's saying. Um, at least I don't, I don't believe that, but that's... Um, the way it starts in this translation. And so I had, to, I had to wrestle with that just a little bit as I was building this, this message because it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense for, you know, let's t uh, to say hate uh, those that are they're the most closest to you in, in, in the physical realm. And so what I think it means to me and what I really get out of this is what Jesus is really doing here is challenging us. Uh, this is a challenge for self-examination. This is a challenge to be real and raw and very open with yourself and to dig really deep and to really set your priorities. And as you're doing that, you should, you should compare that or lay that right next to the priorities set by the Heavenly Fathers, which can very simply be the Ten Commandments, the very Ten Commandments. Um, it takes me kind of, I was in the military, I was in the boot camp, um, and uh, one of the things I really 
maybe it comes from that is I really appreciate or I'm a little bit fascinated with like the, the special forces and what these guys go through to get to where they are. Uh, but how this ties in is you get these, uh, lots of times the people, that's their lifelong dream. From the time they're just kids, they want to be, let's say, a Navy SEAL. And so their whole life, they, 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 they grow. And this is not uncommon, actually. I've, I've run into several um, where that's, that's their whole goal. That's what they want to do from the time they're just little. They get up, so they get there. They get in the Navy. They do well. They get in the Navy. Next thing you know, here they are. And they're in the training. Buds, I think it's called, to be a Navy SEAL. And it pushes them to their absolute limits. It's dirty. It's sweaty. It's grimy. It's raw. And, and, and everything, every desire, every ounce of, um, of energy that they have and desire to be a Navy SEAL is tested because that's the whole point of the program. Um, and I found it very interesting that, that um, there's really only two reasons that people wash out of the Navy SEALs. One is they get hurt. A lot of them do get hurt because it's so demanding. And so there's just a physical injury. But it's rare that somebody that, that makes it to the actual class doesn't have the physical ability to complete it. Most of the time what happens is it pushes them to that limit where they quit. They find their limits and they, and they quit. Um, because it shows them who they really are and what's really inside and it tests all of their motivations, all of their desires, um, and, and everything that's driving them to accomplish this gets put to the test. Um, it's really one of the ways, it's kind of the ultimate self-examination in the physical realm. It really is, those type of things. I think maybe more practical that many of us can understand this is, is our team sports. I've also really enjoyed team sports because not to that extreme, but team sports often do us the same. They cause us to come together as a team, and we all have our part, we all have our role. This is really how the body is supposed to work. And then we go and we compete against that other team and, it, and, and oftentimes it gets real. And the weather can go to crap and it can be a, a, a late in the game and now it's cold and now it's tired. And the guy across from you has been whooping your butt most of the time, but you get him every once in a while. And the game's on the line and this is where you have to really step it up and find out what's in you and find out what you're made of and really examine yourself if you've got enough to, to hang in there. Um, I think more that's re really what, what Jesus is getting at and I think that's more really what this, pas what this passage is all about is we've all got a toughness, we've all got a drive, we've all got a passion that is naturally put in this. We're all individuals and we're, God has all created us with that and with very unique abilities. And it's not about giving those up. It's about focusing those and understanding that those are gifts and those are going to be used to advance the kingdom of God, but that's not who we are. That's what we do. Um, and so that ultimately kind of brought me to this, this question. And here's one of the questions I want us to chew on for just a, our statements. And that is, Salvation. Salvation through Jesus Christ is really just the beginning. It's the starting point. And after we accept that gift, which is mind-boggling enough, there's nothing limiting your ability to be close 
with the Heavenly Father except for you. The Heavenly Father will allow you to get as close to Him as you truly want to. He will. There is nothing that can hinder you from drawing close and, 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 and being very intimate and very connected to that Heavenly Father except for you. You're the only thing that can. There's, there's no Paul said it, and I'm not going to get into it, but there's, there's no power, no up, down, left, right. There's no demon in hell. There's nothing. That grace and that blood. And so that really means our only hindrances are us. And there are certain physical things. It just take, it takes time. You know, Jesus fasted for 40 days. What do you do when you fast for 40 days? I don't really know. Um, but I know that that was a big part of him really getting his physical, that was about his physical body getting in tune with the spirit that was inside of him for him to fulfill everything that he's, that was about submitting this physical body. It takes discipline. It takes effort. And we're really on a journey. And it's a marathon of a journey. And we have ups and downs. And sometimes I think our downs, sometimes I think where we stumble, we see those as as, as bigger setbacks than what they are. We all struggle with stuff. And it never changes your position with who you are as a child of the Almighty God, but sometimes we let it. And so sometimes we'll stumble, we're walking along and we'll trip and we'll end up over here and you're like, oh, I just gotta get back right with God, I gotta get back to church. And, and, and we feel like that's a, a monumental task and it's really not. I think that's one of the biggest ways. It's as simple as it is to step over this crack, that, He's always there. The heavenly Father. His position doesn't change. Your position doesn't change. You can't change. You, there's nothing you can do. That, in fact, that's a false sense of pride a little bit, and I don't want to go down that, but it's a false sense of pride a little bit to think that, that we can knock ourselves out of that position and then we can earn our way back. It just doesn't happen. We're always in that position. The really th- the thing is, is can we get our focus enough? Can we keep our focus enough so that we can... Um, understand that and continue to draw close to the Heavenly Father so we can have a mess up this moment right back to worship right back to prayer because this is who I am this is what I am and it hasn't changed but our humanity our desires our emotions we get tired we get sick we get weak these are the things that are that, that, that interfere with that walk interfere with that oneness that closeness that we have with the Heavenly Father we're just human beings our comfort man we like to be comfortable I get it. Um, but oftentimes that, that, that easy to enjoy comfort that, that we sow disease really isn't, um, it's kind of taken the easy road. Um, it's kind of taken almost a, a shortcut. Um, our effort, sometimes we work really hard. Maybe you even feel like you're, you're working really hard to be close to the Heavenly Father and it's not paying the reward that you think it should, or it's not, um, our, our, our culture's just like we're very based on, on time, our culture's very set up to where work reward. We teach this, you put in the effort, you get the reward. Well, sometimes I think as, as Christians, we try to apply that to our relationship, and we feel like, all right, Lord, I've done my part, it's time for you to do your part. And he doesn't do it the way we think he should. And that can be, so his system is different and your efforts are not wasted, I assure you. But the reward or the result really may not be what, what you 
um, expect. How about this one? What do we value? I want to ponder this for just a couple minutes. We're, we're wrapping this up a little bit. This is kind of my... This, is, this may be one of the things that, that, that was the most kind of eye-opening for me. And, and just, we're not going to answer this out loud, but what is your most valued possession on this earth? Just give me a few seconds and, and picture what is the most valued possession on this earth to you. That's an individual thing or the thing you value the most. Um, if you've got that by now, I'll, I, I want you to now, here's the second part of that. What value or worth does that object have in the heavenly kingdom? And is it comparable? Because that thing that we value that much, that thing that means so much to us on this physical realm is going to consume us. It's going to consume a lot of our time, a lot of our effort. Um, it's probably something we'll give up some comfort to. But does it have that same value, that same value to our Heavenly Father? And I'm not going to put good or bad on this. I'm, this is just a... This is part of that being raw and being real. Does the Heavenly Father put that same amount of value on it according to His Word? According to His Word. Because I think that's one of the things where we get ourselves sidetracked. This is a little nugget that came to me during worship that first service didn't even get. Sorry, first service. Maybe you can catch it on the tape. Or, um, but I want to ponder this. I, I, I I'm not saying that this is a fact, but I, th I think it's pretty doggone accurate. Um, anything hindering your relationship with the Heavenly Father is a source of stress in your life. Chew on that for a little bit. How do you feel about that statement? I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think anything that's hindering our relationship with the Heavenly Father is a source of stress in our life, good, bad, or indifferent. The second part of that is, is whatever that hindrance it is, is it something that I've put there, that I have control over? So despite your worldview, I still believe we are right smack dab in the middle of a major movement of God. And us... As believers, us, us as his children, many of us have been rattled. I've been rattled. A lot of the things um, that I wouldn't say were, just a lot of my perspectives and a lot of my views have changed as a result of, uh, of this. Um, I think we're right in the middle of a banquet, and God's inviting us as his kids in fact, I know it. He's inviting us for our part. Um, and he's also wanting us to self-examine and weigh the cost and release the things that don't have the same value that he does. So I wrap this up by going to Paul, the Apostle Paul. And I think the Apostle Paul um, and even Moses to some. I mean, Moses was, Moses was on the hill spending so much time with the Heavenly Father, he'd come back and he would glow. But like, what are you really doing up there? Have you ever thought about, like, what are you really just, all right, God, I'm just going to chill here, and I don't know. But 
as a result of that, I think Moses really had, had the correct perspective and, and didn't put too much value in the material possessions of the world. But I think the one that mostly, if you jump over to Philippians, this is where I'm going to wrap this up, is the Apostle Paul. Um, as the Apostle Paul, I, I, I think this is late in his ministry. I'm not really sure. But the Apostle Paul there, and I'm going to read some of this, maybe not as much as I did in, in the beginning, but the Apostle Paul there basically almost sounds a little bit suicidal. He's kind of like, the things of this world just don't really mean that much to me, and I, I'm really ready to go. I'm ready to bug out of here and, and move on. Um, let me jump in here. I think I'll start at about, I read Philippians 1, and I'm going to start at maybe 20. I don't expect that dishonor and shame will plague me in any way, but I do hope that I will continue to be able to speak freely and courageously about Jesus, and that now and forever the anointed one will be glorified and placed above all else through this body of mine, whether I live or die. For my life is about the anointed and him alone, and my death, when that comes, will mean great gain for me. So if it is his will that I go on serving here, my work, will be my work will be fruitful for his message. I honestly wouldn't know how or what to choose. I would be hard-pressed to decide. I can, lean toward, I can lean toward leaving this world to be with the anointed one because I can only think that would be much better. To, to stay in this physical body of flesh even with all its pains and weakness, would best serve your needs. So Paul's come to this place in his life, and I think he really wraps up what I'm trying to say, especially towards the end of this message. Paul has very little. In fact, Paul has no value. He places no value in the things of this world. He's not worried about what he's going to eat or where he's going to sleep or what he's going to wear or even where he's going to end up. He's done with this physical world. It has no value to him except for the other people and the people that he can sow into and share the gospel and the goodness of God with. And that's really what Paul says. There's nothing else on this earth that really means anything to me. In fact, I now under Paul understands how much better it's going to be in heaven. Um, and how glorious that's going to be, and that's really where he wants to be. And he's just done with this. He, and, I, and, I, and I think that's what really what Jesus is saying when he starts this off with these hate, with the word hate, about hating, um, you know, the, 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 the people we love so much in this earth, is what Jesus is really saying is we need, the closer we get to him, the less we're going to be connected to this earth and the, and, and, the, and the things that are in it. That doesn't mean we're not going to be fruitful and we're not going to be advancing his kingdom, but we're not going to be bound by it. Our value system will truly, truly change. And that is my prayer. I think, I think that's the movement we're in right now, is the Lord shaking the church, shaking his children, and calling us to really evaluate our value system and what we hold so dearly um, and understand our real purpose and what he's called us to do and why he's given us the gifts and the talents.
that he has had. I'm going to wrap it up with prayer, and then I think Pastor Derek is going to share a little bit with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the truth of it, and I thank you that we can dig into it, Lord, and examine our own hearts. And I thank you, Lord, for the revelations you've given to me. And I just ask, Lord, that as I shared them with others, and I just tried to be real, Father, that they would get a nugget out of them. They would get something out of them. They would be able to grasp something there, Father, and it would impact their life, Lord, for you. Um, it would help them. If they're struggling, Lord, be with them. All those that are, that are struggling, that are sick, even our leadership, Lord, be with them and bless them and heal them in this time and strengthen them and encourage them. All the believers, I just ask, Lord, you would just strengthen and encourage them and be with them and pour out your sense of, um, of uh, peace over them. Just pour out your peace and the hope that we're going to talk about during this Christmas season. And for the unbelievers, Lord, the turmoil that so many of them are going for, I just ask that we would be at the, your hands and feet your hands and feet, Father, to those around us who need your love. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jim. All right. So, um, Jim, I really appreciate when you speak. And I, I don't get to hear you talk a lot because I don't, but I have over the years at different times. And uh, usually it happens like at camp and stuff. But... Um, Jim has a drastically different perspective than Sean and I do. And uh, Sean actually has a drastically different perspective on the world than I do, than I have. And, and you know, we, we process through the way that we see things. And, and so, Jim, you're, the way you see the world is incredibly valuable to us because it helps balance us. So thank you so much. Um, so I want to take a moment and remove the clock. We've got a little bit of time. I know that we have schedules and we have lunch and people have to get out. But... Let's take a moment, um, let's do things a little bit differently. When Pam and I were in Cuba a couple of years ago, we were learning about different cultures and how, how the world works in different places, and we were very much, what time is it, when are we supposed to be there, what time is it, when are we supposed to be there, when are we supposed to be doing whatever. And our, our, our leaders, our teachers, were like, guys, you're not in America right now. These people don't care what time it is, just... We'll get there when we get there, they'll get there when they get there, and we'll do the thing when it happens. And it was, it was shocking and it was challenging to me because I, I am very much clock-based. I want to know what time it is, I want to know where I'm going to be, and I want to know when I'm going to be there, and I want to know when I'm going to be doing what. But it turns out that a lot of the world doesn't live like that. We don't live, like the rest, a lot of the world doesn't live under, under the, the constant ticking of a clock. And... Uh, I think that's, I think that's the, the, I think that's the style of heaven. I think that's the style of the kingdom of God. It's not, um, well, God, you said we would be so-and-so by so-and-so, so why are we late? God's like, well, you needed something different. We're going to take a side road. It's a lot like what we talked about last week. You know, sometimes it's not just straight up. Sometimes we got to go sideways for a bit. And so let's just take a moment. And we're just going to ask Holy Spirit, uh, Holy Spirit, speak to me. What is it about my life? What is it about this message that, that you just gave us through, through Jim? What is it that you want me to grab a hold of and really focus on? Let's just take a moment.
I don't know, Jim, I didn't hear you say it this service, but I know you said it first service. Uh, he said that um, God will allow you to get as close as you want and that there are no limits there. God's not holding us away. Often we're holding us away. We're, we're making choices that are keeping us, you know, not as close to God as we would like or, or whatever, but it's not, it's not God holding us back. It's not like, you know, when my kids are little and they wanted to fight and I could hold their forehead and they couldn't hit me, you know. God's not doing that. Um, and so if it's open and if God is, is always welcoming and his grace is always enough and his mercy is new every morning and we can come and sit in the Father's lap anytime we want and we can be uh, uh, loved on and cared for and taught and trained, um, why aren't we? Well, it's a decision and we get to make a choice. I heard somebody say years ago uh, that, that in the kingdom of God, you get what you want. And if you want God and you want a life with Jesus, you get that. Because if you want it, you're going to make the choices that, you know, lead you that direction. And, and uh, uh, you know, God is, all, uh, God is always going to welcome you. But if you don't want that, God's made a way for that too. Let's make some choices this morning. So maybe you're outside. Um, if you're online watching this or if you're in the house and, and you're kind of standing on the outside and you're thinking, man, this, this kingdom of God that they're talking about, this, this God that they're talking about, this, this, this uh, uh, relationship with, with the creator that gives these people uh, joy and trouble and hope for a future that is unknown. Uh, if you're standing and you're, you're like, you feel like you're hard. You feel like you feel like you want that. I'm going to give you some words here in a moment. I ask you to just uh, repeat after me here in a bit, um, and we're just going to give you some words to go with your heart. Because basically, Holy Spirit is already drawing you uh, in, and Jesus is already working on you and working in your life. And we just want to help you kind of have a a marker, uh, a place um, in your life where you can say that day. I recognized what God was doing in my life, and I I joined up uh, uh, with what He was doing, and. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you're a little bit off track. Like maybe you've uh, been living like maybe you know better than, like oh, I shouldn't be doing living this way, but you are. Maybe one, at one point in your life you, you gave your life to God, you put your life in his hands, and then he took you sideways or he took you a different direction. Uh, he, he started teaching you something that you didn't know or didn't understand and you got scared and took your life back into your own hands. I want to give you an opportunity uh, to go ahead and, and put your life back in his hands and, and trust him the way that we all know we want to. Jim, that was, that's wisdom. The, um, anything that we do outside of God is a stressor. I think there's a lot of stuff in our lives that we don't need to have in our lives that causes stress. And I think that, you know, for me, one of the things is God did not create me to be interested in seven billion people's lives. That's not how the family structure was built. That's not how humanity is built. That's not how friendships are built. That's not how our structure works. So if I'm in the news and if I'm online and if I am immersing myself in the problems of the seven billion other people on this planet, I get stressed out really, really fast. And God's saying, you don't need to focus on every person on the planet. You just need to focus on me. And as I focus on God, that stress goes away. And then the people that I do need to focus on, he's like, yeah, focus on that guy. Focus on that guy. Focus on those people over there. And then I'm doing the things that I'm capable of because I'm doing the things that God has called me to and I'm not overreaching. Just, that's 
the biggest thing for me. I was thinking about that yesterday. So if you're in either of those boats, if you're, if you're just kind of like, man, I want to I wanna experience this relationship with Jesus that, that we've kind of been talking about, or if you feel like your, your life isn't quite where you want it to be, I'd ask you to repeat this after me. Father God, thank you for sending your son to die for me. Jesus, thank you for washing me clean. Thank you for guiding me. Help me to follow after you. Help me to trust you. Even when I don't know where you're going. I know you are good. And you have good plans for me. I put my faith in you. Amen. Amen, amen. All right. Hey, if you prayed that prayer or if you have other prayer requests in your in-house, uh, we're going to have a prayer team up front in just a moment. We would love to pray with you. Uh, and, and if you're online, we would love for you to, to go to mydestiny.family slash next, I think. Pretty sure it's mydestiny.family slash next. And uh, we will uh, basically, this Jesus thing, this, this, this following after God thing, it's not a bunch of people doing it alone, going the same direction. It's us as a family working together, going the same direction as a group. So uh, the body of Christ is, I belong to you, you belong to me, we're here to work with each other. So if you pray that prayer, if, if God's doing stuff in your life, man, we want to know about it, we want to support you, we want to help you, and that's what that's about, okay? So prayer teams up front or mydestiny.family slash next, and we'll, uh, man, we'll help you get where you're going, okay? Okay.